You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Tuesday, and today you'll hear an episode from our Takeover series. Every month, we ask a different practitioner or thought leader to host a series of interviews that cover a specific theme that's relevant to our community. And like Sangram always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. Sangram here. Welcome to another Takeover series for the Flip My Funnel podcast. I'm here with a very good friend of mine. Over the last year, I think we have connected on so many different levels, a part of the peak community, part of the Flip My Funnel. And I've also been using their services for a lot of the things that I produce in terms of video. So Amber, Amber Khan, she's the founder of Repurpose Den. She's an international best-selling author. And she also, this would get you, she's also an average runner. I think you're better than me, Amber. But Amber, thank you for, for joining me uh, and doing this series. Oh, thank you for having me. All right. So Amber, tell me and tell the audience, what is the name of your series and what is the series all about? All right. Well, this particular series is called Impactful Living. And the reason being, this is a series where we feature purpose-led leaders who are making a meaningful impact through their work and touching and changing lives of many. I love that. I love that. You know, what's interesting about it is that we have a lot of episodes on marketing, and I think this is going to give people a necessary break because ultimately, whatever you do, you got to have impact. So share a few people that you are going to interview and the topics that you're going to interview on uh, in the series. Yeah, sure. So uh, just one of them uh, is, is Claude Silver, who talks about building a culture of empathy. Then I have Mary Henderson. She based, is based in Australia, and she talks about how to commercialize your expertise into a profitable business, which a lot of us you know, uh, struggle with, especially those who are pivoting from, say, a corporate career and now looking into starting their own business. And then I am, I'm going to have uh, Daniel Priestley, who is the author of multiple books, one of them being Key Person of Influence, The Entrepreneurship Revolution. And with him, we're going to talk about some awesome stuff. He's just published yesterday a new book called um, How to Raise Entrepreneurial Kids. And, and we're going to talk a lot about that. Wow. Like, I, <laughs> yeah. I mean, almost every one of this sounds like a story worth going through. Uh, one of the things, and this is where we're going to end because this is going to be an introduction. So folks, as you're listening to this, you may be listening to the first interview that Amber did, maybe the last one. There's a whole series of about 10 or so that we're going to have in for you and we'll play every Tuesday and Thursday in the series. So if, if and it will tell you if this is the one, the first episode, or is this the eighth episode? So you can go figure out if you need to go back and watch some of or listen to some of these video interviews. But what's interesting, Amber, about all of this is there's a question that uh, Andy Stanley, someone that I follow, says in his book, Better Decision, Fewer Regrets. Mm. And he asked this very question that what story are you going to tell? And that is a very interesting question when you start going back in life, because each one of us has a story that we want to tell. And there is a story that people are writing right now that they don't know. And, and I think people need to recognize that. So I love the fact that you're creating this impactful living series that's going to help people to recognize and come out of their shell maybe a little bit and recognize that they have a story to tell. They're going to tell that story to their kids, their grandkids, or, or their neighbor or somebody. And hopefully the interviews that you're going to do is going to 
have them thinking about this and actually start writing their own story the way they want to. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the idea with all each one of those interviews is that I want people to go with at least one takeaway that they can implement right in their life just by listening to you know the guest stories or the challenges that they share during those interviews. And if we can just make a difference in one person's life, I know it would be all worth it. I love it. And again, this is what I love about this, this takeover series. You get such a different perspective. And Amber, you also bring in a global perspective because you have people from all over the world who are interviewing in the series. So Amber, again, thank you so much for doing it. All the information to connect to Amber, her company, her book, uh, and all the things that she does is going to be in the show notes. So check that out. And Amber, let's take it away. Awesome. to make your content contagious. That is the topic of the hour. Hello, good day, greetings, ciao, namaste, and salams to peeps from all around the world. Welcome to the live. Now, this particular series is called Impact 2.0, where we feature purpose-driven leaders making a dent in the universe in their own special way. Stick around till the end, and I promise you that you'll walk away with at least one, if not more, practical yet scrumptious takeaways from each of these live sessions, like an ice cream sundae topped with heavy whipped cream, melted dark chocolate, and a dash of gold dust. But most importantly, if you turn up live, you will get a chance to ask each guest questions that are bugging you like an itch that can't be scratched. Now, my today's guest is the Sean Connery of the business and marketing world. He has the brains and the brawn and is currently the CRO at Vanilla Soft. He believes that by identifying what's remarkable about your brand or product, you will create social currency among viewers and get people talking about your product. So will you please put your virtual hands together to welcome my fantabulous guest, Daryl Prim. I don't think I've ever had a more <laughs> impressive intro than that. And and I can guarantee you, nobody's ever dropped the word scrumptious on any kind of intro I've had. So I just, you know, kudos to you. I mean, there's a content lesson right there. Folks, what did she do? She, she used vocabulary. She painted a visual for you, a picture. Tell me you weren't visualizing that ice cream with the gold <laughs> dust on top. You know you're the gold dust. Not like sprinkles, gold dust. She had you hook, line, and sinker. Content lesson number one, Amber Khan. You don't need me. Just follow her. <laughs> no, that's so true. But I, I'm learning. I'm learning for peeps like you, Daryl. You, you're, you're an expert. And um, so, but it's, it's, it's good to hear feedback from others to, to know that I'm doing something right. <laughs> so, Daryl. I was I was loving your intro. I know you're going to get into it. Amber, by the yeah. way, when you interview yeah. me, I, I drag you all over the place. I apologize in advance. But your awesome. in, your intro was fantastic. Your, did you see the countdown timer? I got to ask you, is that yeah. is that a countdown timer you you bought or did you build that yourself, your countdown timer? Um, no, I didn't buy. I just used the elements available on the web and then put it together using a tool called Canva. <laughs> That's it. Canva. That's there it. you go. See? But it's remarkable. It's remarkable. You did a great job. Okay, I'll shut up. Back awesome, to you. Awesome. <laughs> now, peeps, before we get into the sausage and mash of this conversation, Darren, we are going to start off the show with a quick fire round. Are you ready? I am not, but let's do it anyway. 
<laughs> well, you know, it's all going to be fun. So, you know, just, just, you know, it's, you, you, you're going to enjoy this. Trust me. Now, the first question is, hey, which you, can't, you can't embarrass me any more than anybody else has. Go ahead. <laughs> is it? Oh, by the way, let's, let's say uh, hi to peeps who are already here. Kaleem is here. Uh, Daryl, you know him from Peak Community. Uh, Jen Griffin is here. Hello, Jen. Nice to see you here. Now, Daryl, which store would you max out your credit card if you absolutely had to? Which stove? Which store? You're like asking it? me? <laughs> yeah. Oh, which store? store? Not just the stove. Because yeah. I, sto- I can answer the stove question, but which store? Oh, my gosh. Okay. Um, uh, totally, totally Best Buy. You know, Best I'm an electronics gadget. Or, 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 or uh, BH Photo. Uh, BH, actually BH photo, BH photo. I know it's an American chain online, yeah. mostly BH photo. If you need any kind of camera, electronic production, like you name it, BH photo, that's where I would go. It would be dangerous to have me in BH photo. <laughs> awesome. 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 All right. What three words would your best friend use to describe you? Uh, an idiot. Uh, sarcastic and a putz. That's my take. But uh, they might throw a fourth one in there of saying uh, funny. I hear that sometimes. Yes, yes. Well, you, you definitely are funny. I can't say for the other three, <laughs> but we definitely see you as 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 a funny chap with lots of gray cells <laughs> on top of your head. Now, yes, lots of gray cells. You're nice. Go ahead. <laughs> If, if you could take three things to a desert island, what would they be? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I think a cell phone. <laughs> so yes. I can call and say, get me the hell off of here. Um, beyond <laughs> that, right? I would probably take, I, <laughs> I would probably take my, because uh, the cell phone is great too, right? Because it's got the GPS, it's got the camera, it's got the apps, it's got everything of like that. Um, the second or third thing I would do, I would take uh, a music player. If the cell phone doesn't have it, I would take a music player of some sort. And yeah. then the uh, uh, fourth thing I would take probably would be a lighter, a lighter, lighter. so I can start fires and keep warm. What about some sort of... I should probably uh, bring a gun. Eh? If I was thinking about that, I should bring a gun. <laughs> yeah. What about some so sort of energy device to charge your devices? Well, you... It, <laughs> You see, I, I hearken back to my days of, of watching, um, what the hell was it, Gilligan's Island. And I, yeah. and I would like to be the professor who can make a solar charger out of coconuts and bananas. Oh. So I'm not worried about that. I got that part covered. I'm sure I can figure that out. Wow, you, you, have, you definitely have that covered. I see where you're going. <laughs> you're thinking, I don't need to take that. I can make that myself. I can make that, exactly. <laughs> All right. I am going to play you a sound. Can you tell me what it represents? (laughs) Any ideas, Daryl? This goes back. This goes back to my youth. That yes. would be a modem connecting online, often to a BBS, uh, bulletin board <laughs> service, um, like, like a CompuServe, right? Yes. And then eventually it became a fax machine. But before then, it was the BBS. Yes. yes, yes. Kira goes, the fax machine, yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. See, she's showing fax machine because 
because she's showing her age where I'm a little older. I had computers on modems, you know, with with phones that went into the cups and actually communicated. That's the sound we heard. Yeah, absolutely. Like on war games with Matthew Broderick. Yes. Somebody else said uh, that's the AOL charging up. Yes. AOL, the first email. Yes. AOL. Yeah. I said CompuServe, which actually precursed. Oh, gosh, you got bought by AOL. So there you go. Yeah, we've got Jen saying that she would take a, a boat with a motor <laughs> to the desert island. And, and look, look what Kira said. She would take a bottle of rum. That's, that's I Kira. like Kira with her rum. Yeah. yeah Jen is yeah. smart. Kira's fun. That's what we know. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. So <laughs> so if, if we were to take peeps uh, on uh, on the desert island with us, we we should definitely be taking Jen and Kira with us. They're they're on the list. They're on the short list. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. The last question on the quick fire round. If you could have any superhuman power, what would it be? Any, uh, I, I would probably go with just strength, you know, because I, I, I'm in my early 50s now, Amber. And, you know, I don't have the strength I used to have. I, you know, I, I, here's a superpower I would love to have. Just mm-hmm. a back that didn't hurt all the time. All right. So that's kind of my reaction. <laughs> well, uh, we don't see you at all. We, we see you. We see you as very handsome and Sean Connery who lived forever, oh. by the way. <laughs> You know, I had a friend the other day said to me, oh, I love your photo. You look like Wolf Blitzer. And I said, I'm off of CNN cable news. And I was like, Wolf Blitzer. I was hoping you'd go for George Clooney or Sean Connery. So, so Amber, you're my best friend. You went Sean Connery. Thank you very much. Awesome. That's, that's, that's the idea. Now that means Daryl, the quick fire round is over. And you know what that means, Daryl? What does that mean? It means that you have arrived. Now, if you'd like, you can give me your best arrival pose while I create the mood for that. I don't know. You have arrived. It almost sounds like your boat's going down underwater. I'm here. I'm here. I'm arrived. Where have I arrived? (laughs) We have arrived at the sausage and mash of this conversation. Love it. Let's do it. <laughs> All right, Daryl. Imagine that I'm holding a pair of boxing gloves. Could you take these gloves from me and smash for me, and not my face, please, but some kind of content myth, a bogus strategy, or a misconception, and set the record straight once and for all? Oh, okay. Okay, so I will preface this by saying this is the world according to Daryl. All right, so I'm going to stop there. Um, a myth. Here we go. Build it and they will come, you know, made famous in the movie Field of Dreams, where they made a baseball diamond in the the middle of nowhere and they came. Um, People, marketers especially, uh, but sales reps too, think if I build this content, they will come. And the secret to generating leads, the secret to generating uh, uh, sales and revenue, it's just more content, 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 content. If I make content, I will do wonderful things. Bullshit. Mm -hmm. That is a myth. They will not come. There's more content than we know what to do in this world. It's crazy as stupid. The content needs to be good. It needs to be relevant. It needs to be consumable. It needs to be keyword optimized up the wazoo. But more than anything, the content needs to be promoted. And there's lots of ways you can do that. But, you know, social influence and communities and word of mouth referrals, best way going. 
Um, the biggest thing is marketers will make content thinking they're making it for the sales reps to use and the sales reps never, ever touch it. They don't, they don't even know what you've got. So building content does not drive leads. Content is just the first step in the lead generation process. It's kind of like an ingredient to the recipe. It is not the end result, but it is an ingredient you need. Yeah. Absolutely. I love that. And of course, we're going to discuss more about that, um, you know, the solutions about how we go about doing that. Just a quick side note here that we are streaming to LinkedIn, Facebook and YouTube simultaneously. If for some reason your LinkedIn stream plays up, you can continue over at my YouTube channel, which is bit.ly forward slash spreading ideas with Amber Khan. All right. And while now, you're there, while you're there, subscribe yeah. to the channel and don't just subscribe. Make sure you hit the notifications icon, too, so you get notified every time there's a new feed. Thank you, Daryl. I'm there for you. <laughs> doing this for me. Thank you. All right. Now, let's get into this fab chat, Daryl. Before we go any further, could you share with the viewers and listeners why do you do what you do? Uh, I've shared this a few times uh, over the years. Uh, I grew up, and this is a funny story, funny to me at least. <clears throat> I grew up in high school. I, I had I had no friends in school, zero. I was a complete loner. And, uh, and But what I was very passionate about was chess. And yes, I was on the high school chess team. And yes, I was the third best in my province. And I have trophies and everything, all right? Oh, wow. So what is it that I like about chess? What I like about chess, I, I suck now, Amber. What I like about <laughs> chess was a chessboard has a very simple mandate. You're trying to get the opponent's king and you've got all of these, you have 16 pieces that you can use to get that one objective. To me, that's what marketing is. Marketing is I've got pay-per-click, I've got SEO, I've got content, I've got influence marketing, I've got websites, I've got landing pages, I've got email, I've got all these amazing things, webinars, podcasts. It's crazy what I've got. I can move all these pieces to get that one objective. I like the strategy and I like moving them in ways that my opposition, my, comp my competition does not. So if I can be a smaller, less funded person and I can kick the ass of my better funded, bigger resourced, bigger uh, budgeted team, because I've yeah. got better moves to, to me, that's what like, I'm like thrilled. It's to me, it's a strategy game. It's a chess game and everything in the marketing kit are just pieces to be played. Awesome. Awesome. So it's, 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 it's that drive to, to sort of, um, you know, put your competitors or uh, keep them, keep them awake, keep your competitors awake because the more you move forward, you know, the more they're thinking, oh shit, <laughs> we, we got to better ourselves as well. So it's like a, it's like a constant battle. Yeah. It could be the competition. It could be either your boss gave you a goal. It could be that your venture capitalist gave you a goal. Right? Mm -hmm. There's always another competition. There's always another competitor. There's always another opponent in a chess game. So to me, yeah. it's like one chess game after another, after another, you know, just sending a cool email with a high open. Yeah, that's interesting. But yeah. in, t in, in combination with everything else, that's cool. Figuring out what works and what doesn't. I love that. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Okay. So I, I guess my, my, what I'm, want to ask you first is that what, what, what do you think scares brand when it comes to investing in content marketing? Say it again. What do I think scares what? Brands, uh, businesses, uh, when it comes to oh. investing in content marketing. I don't think anything scares them from investing in. I think what, 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 
I think where brands mess up is kind of where we started talking to this conversation is yeah. that they don't think content marketing has the ROI, has the return on their investment that they expect. So they know they need to do it, but, but they kind of like pull short, right? They say, oh, you know, maybe, you know, they're really kick ass. It's going to cost $100,000, but we you know we'll spend $25,000 and it's good enough. And so they, they don't, they're not willing. What scares them is they're, they don't see it. They don't see the opportunity. So they're going to be conservative with their cash flow, conservative with their resources, because they think they're missing out on opportunity costs. They think that it's not driving the sales machine. So to me, their fear stems from a lack of understanding on how to use content as a weapon. Mm. It's like this. I can make a gun, which is making content, but that mm-hmm. gun doesn't shoot the target. You actually have to have bullets and you have to have you know training and you have to have all these other tactics to do it to actually make that gun effective. People mm. are just scared of going that extra mile because, because they don't understand it. And the biggest thing there is leadership often, whether it's the board or the CEO, they think of marketing as the events people, as the content brochure people, and Mm -hmm. as the press release people. And that's Mm -hmm. it. Something like brand is intangible and difficult to measure. So how can I spend, you know, five figures, six figures, seven figures on something that's got a brand element to it when I can't measure the ROI? They don't Mm -hmm. understand empathy. They don't understand psychology. They don't understand the human element because that's not how they're wired. Why? Because many companies are developed by engineers or they're funded managed by economists or accountants. None of those people understand the creativity, the psychology, the human element of content. And so they scare, they, they shy away from it of, of a lack of understanding. That was a long answer. I apologize. <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. I, and I guess that brings me um, to the question that, um, you know, what mistakes can a brand avoid if they were to ramp up their content game 2021 and onwards? Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Mistakes on a content game. What to do? Okay. So it's not about the volume. That's the first thing. You don't, you don't have to make 50 pieces. You can make five kick-ass pieces. That's the first thing. All right. It's not about the costs. In other words, you can make one piece, for example, uh, Amber should be taking this session today and turning it into a blog post, an ebook, and a series of social media feeds. She's probably going to do that because that gives her scale. Too many people just think it's a one and done and there's no scale. There's no repurposing. So there's that aspect. Um, the thing that's killing them is that it has to be perfect. They have to spend six months making sure the graphic design, the color is just right. It doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be good enough. All right. Um, and oh, the last thing that's killing people on content, the content strategy for the yeah. love of God. I mean, and this is not new, but for the love of God, stop pitching your freaking product or service. Nobody cares about your latest and greatest tool. Talk to me yeah. as a human being about my life, my issues, my challenges and make it relatable. And then the last thing is, all right, make it consumable bite size. If I can't see it within a screen or two of my iPhone, I, I'm not going to read it. It's as simple as that. So, cause my schedule is too busy. So those yeah, are lots um, of reasons. Again, pretty much content one on one, but people yeah. make these mistakes all the time. Yeah, and I, I and on social me- media, those are the social etiquettes, like you said. You know, you you give value first. You bring you use um, you talk about challenges uh, your audience is facing. But do you feel like we should never pitch at all, or 
is there is there a strategy to when one should pitch their product or service on social media platforms? So you can totally. Yeah, you can totally pitch. All right. So pitching is not allowed. I'm sorry, not not allowed because we all get it. We're all in the game, whether we're sales or engineers or marketing. We understand that there is revenue drives the machine. Um, so pitching is allowed. There's a courtesy. What it is, is the nonstop pitching. So I like to tell people that kind of like one in three posts uh, can be a pitch on social media. You know, the other one should be you contributing or you sharing. Right. So you contributing to a dialogue. Uh, or talking about something like I, for example, I could be talking about Amber's show here and how great it is and how you guys need to check it out. Or it, it could be me sharing, Hey, uh, Amber just wrote this great ebook. I want to share it with the community. And the third one is, Hey, I'm going to be on Amber's show. You should come and attend with me. I'd love to see you there. So it's kind of like a one in three thing. If you do that, you're going to be awesome. But the other thing that there's also a secondary thing, which is it's not always the content. It's the person delivering the content. Mm. So if, if you're an, if you have no social credibility, you have no reputation and, uh, and then you try to share something, they're just going to ignore it. Whereas if they see that you're involved in the community, you're whatever, whatever community that you're targeting and you're contributing and you're not just liking stuff, but you're actually engaged in the, you're in the comments, you're in the post, you're debating, you're arguing, you're not always agreeing. You're bringing in new facts and figures. Um, yeah. you're, you're promoting the other people in the space. If you do that, then when you share some content, because you're awesome, they're going to read the content. So yeah. what's changed about the world is that the individual, the evangelist almost has more cachet than the company brand. Your personal brand is bigger then your company brand and your personal brand will bring along the company with it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love that because, I mean, we see very few organizations doing that, what you're talking about, that your personal brand um, uh, helps propel your business brand. Um, and we, yes. we don't we don't see many uh, uh, businesses do that. A lot of lot of the brands stay behind the scene, like uh, with Samsung, right? Does, does we everybody knows Steve Jobs from Apple, but Samsung, you know, is there who who's behind it? We don't know. So I guess what I wanted to, to find out from you, how going forward, forget about what's what businesses have been doing in the past, but going forward, what happens to brands if they do not um, now start inv- investing in their chief evangelist brands or thinking of propelling their business brands using personal brands? They become a commodity, all right, and then they're only they're only able to sell on price at that point in time. So, um, what do we do? You need to understand this is really important, and we should all be able to understand this. Human beings are naturally designed to minimize risk. It goes back to the very, very beginning, right? That dinosaur is going to kick my ass and kill me. I should have mm-hmm. walked around the dinosaur and avoid that risk. That's how we're wired. Okay. I'm going to stay in my cave at night and not go outside where the bad guys are because I want to live. I'm a, I, I want to avoid risk. So what do we do? We mm-hmm. tend to short, whenever we're in a buying decision, we tend to shortlist the category leaders. All right. Mm-hmm. So you get the top one or two. I always like to say Coke and Pepsi. That's a classic mm-hmm. case, right? We, we, yeah, those are the ones we go and evaluate right away. You used to say yeah. you never got fired for buying Microsoft or IBM. It's the exact same thing. We, those were always safe because they were the least amount of risk. So what does everybody else become? Everybody else becomes column fodder where the only way they're going to get the deal is on price. Mm-hmm. Unless they somehow the individual has an amazing experience in the buying process. So what do we do? We need to make sure 
that our brand and our equity is is built up to be shortlisted. I know even when I took over at VanillaSoft, I said to my CEO, because the the one, two players in our category were already established. And I oh. said, I'll never guarantee you to be number one or number two ever, ever, ever. But my objective, my guarantee to you is I'll get us in the conversation. So they'll right. say vendor A, vendor B, oh, and maybe VanillaSoft as a third person. So what we need to do is we need to make sure everything we're doing forward looking is about embracing the community. That's the thing you get to understand. Not only do we avoid risk, how do we avoid risk? We avoid risk by going to other people and saying, what do you recommend? You've had this problem. How did you solve? Who did you look at? So that word of mouth referral, which is not content related, is huge. So we marketers need to make sure that there's an amazing customer experience that our current customers have. And then we need to promote the living bejesus out of them back to the community and make them rock stars so that everybody else uses their brand, their influence to consider your product in the sales cycle. So brand doesn't need to come from you directly. It can come from your advocate. You mentioned Samsung. You're right. They don't have an evangelist, but they've got, what do they have? They have a gazillion influencers they pay to promote their products with it and make sure their phones are always seen or the technology. So there's two ways you can do it. You can be an evangelist or you can, you can engage the community and other influencers to drive your brand. I, I don't think I answered your question at all, Amber, but it really sounded good in my head. Okay. So. <laughs> this, this sounds perfect. I mean, what I love uh, about what you said is that make sure that you turn up in conversations. That's, that's the first bit because yes. if we're not, if we're not even there, where are we? If you're in conversations, they already start to trust you and then yeah. they're going to shortlist you. I cannot tell you how many deals or even leads before there were deals leads I've gotten simply because somebody's reached out to me on social media and said, I love your content, been following you for a long time. Mm. We've got a project now that you might be a fit for, you know what? That didn't cost me anything other than the precursor. And the precursor was I made great content. I use social media to promote it and start a conversation. Mm. And, and I took a position. That's the last thing. When you're doing content, content is meant to take a position, not necessarily a position around a feature you need to have or don't have because your product has it or doesn't have, but mm. a position around what's right, regardless of what you offer. So yeah. the most traction I've ever gotten over and over and over again is when I go to a subject matter expert who's got thousands upon thousands of followers, they make some statement and I say, well, I agree with A and B, what you're saying, but I disagree with C. I think you're wrong on C. All right. Mm. Some people look at that and say that that's death. Why would you ever disagree with somebody so much influence? It could shut you down. Mm. The reality is they're wrong on C, on item C. Mm. And, that, and that, so they need to have that conversation. And this is the thing that people don't understand. This is where bean counters or engineers or accountants don't understand it is when yeah. I say you're wrong and then we end up having a conversation, there's a million people watching that back and forth exchange and they never comment. They're all lurking. But yeah, all yeah. million of those people who are watching your conversation yeah. Yeah. will pick up the phone and say, can you come bid on my business when the time is right? So how do you measure that? You can't. Yeah. You can't measure that, but that's what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. So it, become visible. I guess that's another thing uh, that I'm getting from it, that until we are visible and we, we're uh, striving towards it, it's it's going to be pretty pointless just lurking around. I I see a question here from um, Kira. 
Uh, I think you may have, uh, you know, already touched upon it. Uh, How Kira, do you build reputation? Kira's a, tr- a troublemaker. <laughs> How do you build reputation? Give us three to five how-tos. Okay, I've given some of these away. I think I'm ready. So first, okay, yeah. so I'm going to give you the, the, the classic the classic starting point. The classic, and I did, I did the exact same thing when I was starting on this road. Uh, yeah. You take a few months and you figure out the lay of the land. Who are people quoting, you know, in their conversations? What content yeah. are they referring to? Who are the, and the influencers can be an individual or can be an organization like a gardener or a forester yeah. or an IDC, yeah. you know, as an example, right? It could be an association, but who are they quoting and referring to? Um, look at the books that are really being consumed and purchased in your industry on Amazon, other mm-hmm. sources. And those authors have influence because their message has influence. So you get the lay of the land. And now you know the people you need to follow. You need to follow all of those people. And now you get to watch the dialogue, the conversations for another month. And you start to see who are the people who are vocal in following those influencers. Because there's the influencers and there's that next level down of dedicated yeah. community. Yeah. You need to follow those people. Once you follow those influencers and that top level of, of, of followers to those influencers, you have now found your audience and you want to reciprocal because now everything you post and share on social media they'll see now that you've done that the same time you were doing all that you were looking for the hot buttons what are they talking about now you need to start coming out with content that speaks to that and positions and you need to then start tagging those people in context too many people do a post where they'll tag 50 people what you don't understand is if i tag 50 people and 49 of them don't react my algorithm puts that post lower. If they don't, I tag somebody and they don't react. It actually pushes it down. So you don't want to tag a lot of people, but you want to tag them in context. So I would say something like, I was talking to Amber Khan and she shared this. Uh, what do you guys think? Do you agree with her or disagree with her? I think that over to you. So now I've tagged you. It's about something yeah. you said. I've given yeah. my position, which may or may not agree with you. Yeah. And you're going to come in because now it's part of your conversation because you said it and that, and now all of your followers come with you and all of their followers come with you. And it all goes back to what I said. I was the one that instigated the conversation. I stirred the pot and I gave you credit. So I'm not rude or, or, or inappropriate. So mm. my steps, figure out the lay of the land and who to follow Two, yeah. add value. So spark conversation. Three, the last thing I would give you, Kira, is find your voice. So for me, my voice is a couple of things. I am high energy. That's that's who I am naturally. Uh, and I'm also opinionated. And I don't mind being wrong, but I do have an opinion. And you can convince me that I'm wrong, but I'm going to call you out on it. Other people are all like in your face and this is the way it is, you know, uh, and that's just their, that's who they are. That's their persona. Other people are like dropping swear words. Every third word, they're colorful. They're animated. Mm. That's who they are. Other mm. people are storytellers. Kevin Dorsey comes to mind. Fantastic storytellers. That's who they are. You got to find your voice. If you don't find your voice, then you're never going to build your reputation. So who's my community? What's topics and content that I can talk about? Notice when I talk about content and topics, I'm not talking about my product. But here's the pro tip. The contents yeah. and topics I'm choosing to talk about are related to my product. Yeah. I, I just don't explicitly say it. Yeah. And then I have a voice. And that voice, so a couple of things I do. Like, it sounds stupid, but this is what I've done. And you can do your own thing. And like, look at this. I've got these stupid glasses. Do you know I only wear these glasses when I'm live streaming? If I'm sitting at my work desk, I don't wear these glasses. I have another set of glasses. 
if I'm in my studio, I've always got my trademark red curtains behind me. Why? Because yeah. now when they're scrolling through the timelines, they see the yeah. glasses, they see the spiky white hair, or they see the red curtain and they stop. Or they have it on mute, but they see my hands having a conniption doing this all the time. And I'm like, what mm-hmm. the hell is his problem? And they stop and they mm-hmm. listen. Those are yeah. tips and tricks that I've used to build my, my reputation and, my, uh, and for people to identify me. You need to do that yourself. You find out yeah. your own space. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's uh, that's a big one because, and that's where a lot of people trip. I, I know for personally from my experience as well that when I I just recently started uh, showing up and doing lives and podcasts, and before that it uh, it it was it was that thing of how do I find my voice that would stop me from even doing anything, from even creating content because I would be stuck there thinking, what if people hate me? Yes. What if they just hate my content? Yes. So so here's the thing you have to ask yourself. Do do people hate you now? Like, so if you weren't online, if you were just talking to these, you went into a room of prospects, like in the old fashioned days where we actually went face to face and pitched our products or our services. Did they hate you or did they find you engaging or did they find you interesting or provocative? Chances are they did not hate you. In fact, the chances are they liked you or respected you for the expert that you were. So if those people didn't hate you, nobody else is going to hate you. The only thing stopping you down, slowing you or stopping you from doing what you need to do is your own insecurities and your own imposter syndrome. But here's the thing. We all have that. So that excuse goes away. Just go out there and talk to your friends. I don't talk to you like this is a prepared conversation. It's not. I talk to you the exact same way I would talk to you as if we're in a coffee shop meeting for the first time. Yeah. 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 And I, and I love that advice because, um, um, you know, for years I have suffered from this imposter syndrome and for years I've yep. never showed up um, thinking that it's, okay, I had you know tons of excuses like everybody has, you know, Maybe it's not for me. Maybe I'm not the person who should be visible. Maybe somebody else should do it or, you know, tons of excuses that were going through my head. And eventually what changed? Really nothing except the mindset that, okay, just do it. Do it. Get on with it. And what's the worst that can happen? You will stop doing it, you know? So um, I'll go one step. I'll go one step further with you because you're talking about your own experience and you're spot on. So let me ask you this. Hmm. When did your content really start taking off before you started putting yourself out there or after you started putting yourself out there? Definitely after. Right. Because they liked you. They thought Amber's fun. She's high energy. She's smart. She makes me laugh and giggle. It's infectious. I like Amber. Oh, Amber's got a new content piece. What's Amber talking about? That's what happens. You become the expert just because of who you are. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and, and we learn as we go, right? I'm still learning. Um, every day I'm learning. And every time um, when, when I'm doing another live or another podcast interview, I I try to do a little bit better than the last one, you know, and, and, and that's all we can do um, um, as we, as we go as, uh, and when we learn and we make sure that we bring that improvement uh, onto the next thing that we are uh, going to do and not just stay the same all the time. So then let me ask you a question. Yeah. So you say, you made a comment, you said every single time I want to be a little bit better. Fair enough. Uh, I agree. That's the right approach. However, you and I both know, 
that some interviews go better than others. Sometimes yeah. it's a technology issue. Sometimes your guest is just boring as hell. Who the hell knows? <laughs> but some don't go well, right? Mm-hmm. So how do you respond? How do you react when you go, ugh, that, that one was awful. How do you react? I think if, if I was to think back to my previous self, I probably would have given up. But now it feels like, okay, maybe I just had a bad day or, or my guest was having a bad day. Um, and, and I just move on. I don't dwell on it. I don't dwell on it thinking, shit, everything down, <laughs> went down the shit hole. And now I should stop doing this. No, I just think of it. It was a so temporary it was a t- right. So what you've got there is the classic mindset, right? So we talked about tips and tricks. You know, Kira's question about reputation is huge. But at the end of the day, you can do all these wonderful things. But if you don't have the right mindset, you're screwed. And the, and the, and the best mindset to have is I'm going to have fun with this. And if it doesn't go well, I will forgive myself and I will endeavor to learn from it and do better next time. And over mm-hmm. time, I'll get better. Right. The yeah. classic expression, Malcolm Gladwell said it takes 10,000 hours to become an yes. expert. Yes. So then why do you all expect to be an expert one or two or three hours into the process? That's bullshit. Yes. It yeah. takes time. Give yourself grace and you'll get better. Yeah. But I think we, we overthink it. We overthink that whatever we are supposed to do, that suddenly we're supposed to become yes. expert at what we have just started doing. Um, when that is not yep. the case. So I, I love that uh, what Gla- Malcolm Gladwell said. Actually, I love all his books. By the way, <laughs> Malcolm Gladwell. Yes. Um, He's kind of good at what he does. Yeah, I think this was mentioned in his book Outliers when he talked about yes, the ten thousand hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So let's talk about you know at the beginning of the interview you busted the myth uh, about you know you you create um, you create something your product or content and and believe that. Um, you know, people will follow and people will come. So how can businesses best leverage content or create content that's contagious um, and, and that's relevant to their audience? How can we best okay, leverage that's content? Really easy. Yeah. Well, to make content that's contagious or infectious, <laughs> depending on your point of view, um, yeah. basically that spreads, that yes. gets consumed and picked up. Is, is you've got to make it relevant. And I, and that sounds so contrite and it sounds so easy to say, okay, but let me give you an example. Okay. Um, now I'm Canadian, but I'll speak about uh, the U S for a second. Right. So in the U S of course, they've just gone through quite the um, dynamic and their political handoff yes. from one president to another and all that's happened. That's top of mind. If I was making content, I would actually draw corollaries to that. I would draw references to that. I wouldn't pick sides, but I yeah. would draw references to that. And that would be in my headlines. And you're going to bit damn well bet people are like, oh, Prail's got an opinion on what just went down in the U.S. I got to open this up. Um, even though what I'm, I'm maybe I'm talking about is, you know, OK, so Biden just took over in his first week. He's done this. But. That was the execution. What went into the planning? So maybe my whole top, my whole piece of content is how to successfully plan a product launch, right? Yeah. But I, and because you think about Biden, Biden was basically a product launch on January twentieth. They launched him. He's now president. Yeah. So that's that's something that's topical. Um, the other thing about being topical, and people forget this, is the whole premise. And I think it was David Miriam Scott who coined this term, newsjacking, right? Yeah. So. 
if 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 there's a topic that's hot right now and everybody's using that hashtag on any kind of posts, you can newsjack that hashtag to offer your point of view. So yeah. let's say it was on uh, media influence, right? Because, oh, Twitter banned Trump. Um, is that, you know, what, where's the media influence end or start or what's responsible? I can find the right hashtag associated with that topic and I can do a content piece about influence in a sales cycle or influence in a buying process and I can tie it back. So there's lots of different ways, but if you make it relatable and personable and relevant and top of mind, that's what makes it stand up from the crowd. Otherwise, it screams product pitch. The other part about doing that is that it's relatable, right? I used to make it relevant, make it relatable. Because now you can look at those, oh yeah, you know, Trump, Biden, I, I saw it. I, I watched it on my television. I can relate to the point, you're, oh, a product line, surprise, I get it. Yeah, that's a really good analogy. So all of a sudden it's just personal because it's something that was in their lives. So that's what worked best for us. And you can have fun with that. You can have humor, you can have everything else. Like, for example, when the January 6th thing was going on and they stormed the Capitol, I went on Twitter and I'm like, hmm, should I do this? And I posted a cute little meme where it was a cat looking on the other side of a fence going, what the F is going on over there? That's all it was, right? And so I posted it by saying, as a Canadian who's a border of, you know, who borders the United States, I thought you would find this funny. Mm. And I posted it. That got yeah. more traction than you can imagine. So sometimes your content doesn't need to be a product pitch. Sometimes yeah. it can just be personal. So that's that yeah. one to three ratio. Anyway, yeah. there you go. And, and, and that's a great example of how actually you can bring the everyday events, be it political events um, or something entertaining happening in the, in the world um, to your content without being controversial, or without being, you know, most big organizations have a red tape, right? That you can't talk about these things. You can't mention this name. You can't do that. Um, but what you're saying is that there are creative ways of newsjacking without actually picking sides, uh, you know, political sides or being very controversial about it. So imagine me. So Vanilla Soft is a sales engagement platform. Imagine if I did a, a blog post or an ebook that said uh, yeah. the top 10 things President Trump taught me about sales engagement. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Tell me you wouldn't open that up. Right. You yeah. would totally open that up. Yeah. All right. And that's cool. All right. Yeah. So that's an example. Yeah, I'm love. I'm loving this. I'm taking notes because I'm thinking I got to produce more of these new um, news jacking content because it sounds fun and you can be relevant at the same time. So it's, we're, we're not going off topic. We can relate it to what uh, to the content that our audience wants to listen. So that is super awesome. <laughs> I've got I've got a lot of work go. to do that. A lot of work. <laughs> so do so, I. It's all good. Okay, let's talk about marketing budgets. You know, they vary obviously hugely depending on the size of the company. So regardless of the size, how should a business best budget for content marketing? Like, okay, I mean, so that's a really good, that's, a, that's, yeah. I, yeah, yeah, no, no, that's, I've never been asked that question before, but it's a, it's a legit question. Okay. So, let me come at it at a slightly different angle. I will answer your question. I promise. Yeah. <laughs> when I'm in a job interview for a head of marketing position or, or any marketing position, you don't have to be head of marketing. One of the mm -hmm. questions I always ask consistently is the following question. What percentage of marketing, what percentage of revenues 
do you direct towards marketing? That's mm-hmm. I stop. And the answer should be simple. They, they should know this answer. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I Harvard would say minimally, you should have a 3% contribution overall, regardless of your, in, in the, at least in the B2B world. So mm-hmm. you'll be shocked. Most people will be like one, one and a half percent. So those companies avoid. You want the job. I know it. You're never going to succeed because you're not going to have the money to do what you want to do. And you're just, you're spitting into the wind. You're pushing that boulder uphill. No matter how much you will it or want it, it ain't going to happen. If they don't have the money for it now, it ain't going to happen, no matter how great your content is. Right. But if they say 3% or more, then already you've got a company who understands the value of marketing. If they say like 6% or 9%, now you know you've got guns, blazes, let's go, let's kick ass. So that's the first thing. So before you can actually justify content and how much you spend on it, you have to make sure that the culture of the company is open to investing in marketing at all. That's my first point. Now, once you know that, then how you do, so how you actually justify content is a little bit of chicken and egg. So you're going to make content regardless and you have to track your lead sources. So many marketers are good at this and many marketers suck at this, which is you need to be able to attribute your uh, spend to the deal. So in other words, every lead that comes in, you need to be able to say where that lead came from. Did it come from a pay-per-click? Did it come from an organic website visit? Did it come from a webinar? Did it come from a podcast? Did it come from a trade show? Yada, 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 yada. And what you can do is you can do, you know, by extension. So in other words, oh, every single pay-per-click deal came in was for a piece of content. So look at, we drove 10 deals on an average MRR of a thousand bucks. So that's 10,000 MRR off this one piece of content using pay-per-click campaigns. And we spent $10,000. All right. So you can start to do, you know, therefore a second piece of content or a third piece of content should have an exponential increase or minimal, the same ROI return on your investment. Um, if you don't measure it, you can never actually justify increasing investment, further investment in content. So yeah. this is a little bit where RevOps meets, you know, content marketing. Um, so that's, that's, that's the chicken and egg because you got to have content so you can measure it. But if I don't get budget, then I can't make content. I understand mm-hmm. that. So that's where blog posts are free. You know, they really, truly, truly are videos. I can use this phone and I can make a kick-ass video free. All right. So there's, you can start off with the low rent content pieces first to to create a business case of ROI. And once you've got that business case, then you can now get permission to spend 10,000 or 20,000 on a kick-ass ebook or maybe a research paper done in combination with an analyst firm. Um, and then again, you're going to measure it. You're going to show ROI and then, and then you're going to get permission to do even more of that or not. Yeah. So that's how you have to do it. You got to start small, show your ROI, track it, and then you got to build up. You're not ever, ever, ever going to be going able to go out of the gate and say, I want to drop $30,000 on this white paper. Ain't going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And I and I can speak from, you know, from small business point of view here as well, that obviously we, you know, if, if somebody's starting their business now or maybe they're in, uh, in the early years, this is obviously budget is a huge concern and um, there's limited resources. Um, and people are thinking, well, you know, I don't have the money or the resources to start content marketing and stuff and and from what you said that's exactly how you do you just start small you don't have to go big on all platforms you do not have to start 
you know, from the beginning on all platforms. You don't need to have like videos, audios, blog, everything going at the same time. You just start with with sort of one anchor content, be it it's a blog. If it's a blog for you and you just start there and and you start with your mobile phone, that's it. Don't even worry about anything else. No, you know, no production house. You don't need a fancy studio, nothing. You just start off because once the revenue, like you said, starts coming in, then it justifies you spending more money on it. And I mean, and you and you build up upon it. Now, now I've got a, a pretty neat mic. Uh, and stuff before that it was just the phone um and hopefully uh, in near future a studio as well so um yeah so step by step and and we can do it i was having this conversation the day with uh, my good friend kira because kira yeah. has gone on her own and she is building out her own kit and gear for doing these kind of live streams exactly and yeah. she was asking she just got a standing desk it was fantastic standing desk a beautiful desk and she was asking me about lighting and because she oh. saw the picture I shared on the peak community with my desk yeah. and the lighting and I, I sent her a link to it and she's like, whoa, that's like well outside of my budget right now. And yeah. I said, let me send you some. I sent her a picture of a $15 tin can I got at Home Depot with yeah. parchment paper. I said, this is the lighting I use for my first 18 months on the job was this yeah. tin can with a, with a daylight bulb with parchment yeah. paper clothes pinned on it. That's what I use. I said. Yeah. You, you can build up to these things once you show ROI. Like the studio I have today is not the studio I started out with. I had yeah. to demonstrate ROI. That's what you do, content, anything in marketing. You, yes. you have some early wins, you measure it so you can attribute it and then you can build on it. And here's the thing about marketing you need to understand. Whether it's content marketing or anything else, if you want to be a serious marketer, you want to have a seat at the executive table, you're going to have to measure sooner or later, you have to justify your investment, your salary, let alone your budget. So you better figure out how to measure stuff. Now, if you don't know how to measure stuff, if you don't know how to read a balance sheet, mm. make it a personal initiative to go and actually get a book or talk to a mentor and say, teach me the basics. Mm. Absolutely. I love that. So if measure the measure where you, your traffic and leads are coming from, because I guess that that gives you the data you and, on what's, what's working and what's not. And where should you be putting your money in to move the needle on your business? I love that. Yep. Love that. Just want to say hi to all the, uh, again, to all the peeps away. Jacob, hi. Uh, thanks for turning mm -hmm. up. Um, Jacob is also uh, an up and coming marketer. Good to see you here. Um, just a side note, a quick side note here that you will find best bits of this show repurposed into short clips uh, on my uh, YouTube channel over here, which is very quickly bit.ly forward slash spreading ideas with Amber Khan. All right, Dara, what future trends do you see in the world of content and thought leadership marketing, especially post COVID? So the whole idea of the community is not going away, right? So whether it's uh, peak marketing or uh, my gosh, there's a thousand of them, Rev Genius, Revenue Collective, et cetera, all these kind of different communities, that's, that's where the community is hanging out and social media. Uh, okay. So you're going to see lots, uh, even post COVID, you know, you need to be part of that community. You need to have influence and presence. Uh, you're going to see new platforms emerge, which can be monetized or leveraged. The latest and greatest example of that in its early days is uh, Clubhouse. Clubhouse yes. is got a whole, I, I'm playing with it. I'm experimenting with it. I'm figuring it out. For those yeah. of you who are going, I've heard about it. What is Clubhouse? Clubhouse is a glorified, you know, collection of 
topic specific conference calls. That's the best way to put yeah. it. You get on a call yeah. with a bunch of strangers talking about content marketing, right? Yeah. So that's an example, but it's great because I don't need to be looking at the screen. I don't need to be looking at memes. I don't need to be texting. I don't yeah. need to be writing. I can just have a, I, I can multitask. I can clean the house while yeah. listening and participating in a clubhouse room. So that's going to be really, really big. You can establish yourself there. If, if you're all saying it's too late for me to get a presence in LinkedIn or Twitter, it's too crowded, go to Clubhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Be- yeah. Beyond that, you're going to see, like, so that's in content marketing, whew, futures in content marketing. Uh, I oh actually, uh, 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 when it comes, I just want to add about the Clubhouse um, app. Well, which is now it's the new social media uh, platform, and uh, apart from all the ones that you already know of, I think that their um, sort of um, uniqueness lies in that um, w- that you can listen, like podcasts, you can listen to at any time, right? But the difference between Clubhouse and the podcast is that podcasts are a one-way conversation. There's, it's just, you, there is no right. interaction. You just listen to it, to somebody talking, talking, and they probably recorded it ages and ages ago. But Clubhouse is live conversation. So while you're multitasking and, and you have Clubhouse in your ear, you're actually listening and contributing to live conversation. So you have that option that if you have a question, Hey, right. You get on it right away while you're listening to it. You have a question. You say, Hey, uh, uh, moderator, I have got a question for you. Or maybe, um, you are the host and then you get to share your point of view. So I see it as a two way conversation, uh, as compared to a one way podcast conversation, which makes it very, very real and very, very relevant. Uh, and that's why I feel that it's, um, it's, it's a great platform to be on to grow the business right now. It is. Now. And if you think about, even even what we're doing right now, like, so this is a yeah. live, you know, it's LinkedIn live, it's YouTube, et cetera, right? And and how does the audience engage? The audience engages by putting down text comments or text chat. All right. Yeah. Um, so hey, I need a screen. All right, I need a bit of type, I need a bit of, you know, and I, and I can read the often there's in many of these live events, the conversations are often more prolific and more fast and furious than the actual content that the guests are sharing. So I have to really be paying attention. Whereas in Clubhouse, yeah. instead of that live text chat, you get to put your hand up and say, I, I want to contribute to this conversation. So yeah. Kira could all of a sudden, boom, just come up and she could be jamming with you and I out of the blue, yeah. as could, you know, yeah. Daniel or Jacob or anybody else. And yeah. that's what's different. That's yeah. what's different. So it is dramatically cool. Um, yeah. Content as a whole, the other things I would argue that are dramatically shifting is because content is just so incredibly crowded these days. It's not just a promotion. It's, it's organic has become more and more and more important. So you truly need to become an SEO rock star and the long form content will actually outperform, you know, small to medium sized content. So the long form content will continue to rise in impact. The challenges with long form content is it's something that somebody is going to consume who's further down the sales funnel. So they're not maybe top of funnel, but it's going to, yeah. but it's going to be have high intent. So you can, you actually have a higher chance of attributing that content to that eventual sale, which is kind of good for yeah. the marketers. Um, yeah. And finally, I truly believe um, there's a few things that every, if you have aspirations of being a VP of marketing or a CMO or maybe a CRO or a CEO, in other words, a, a true climb that ladder as opposed to being an expert in one thing. Um, if that's your aspirations, then marketers need to understand a few basic things. Marketers need to understand content marketing. 
going to kick mm-hmm. ass at it. They need mm-hmm. to understand uh, demand generation tactics to mm-hmm. use for demand generation. They need to understand revenue ops. How does the tech stack work together? And finally, mm-hmm. they need to understand sales. They don't have to have done sales. Yeah. But they need to understand sales. They need to be able to hold your sales counterparts accountable and work together with them. If yeah. you learn kind of those four things, you will have a kick-ass career. And I truly believe that the CMO will become a large, large, large uh, presence as CEOs. We're already seeing that change now. We're seeing CROs, yeah. preferred CROs, starting to come from the marketing world, which is a dramatic shift, not a sales yeah. world. And you're starting to see more CEOs really having a marketing background. So content marketing is a, is a foundational must-have skill if you have aspirations of a long-term uh, constant upward trajectory growth in the marketing game. Uh, but yeah, yeah, and here's the beauty of content marketing. You will never be without a job. Even if you get laid off tomorrow, you can do it as a side gig freelance thing and you will always pay your bills and you can live and work in any country or location or beach you want to and do it. So content marketing is uh, if you choose not the career path, but you choose the lifestyle path, uh, that's the way to go. Yeah. I, I, I love that advice because uh, about, you know, marketers needing to understand sales because that was the, I would say personally, that was the best advice I was ever given when earlier on, when I was starting into uh, business and thinking about, you know, what, what do I need to do? And, you know, and, and as, um, you know, I was told that you need, if you have an idea, whatever it is, sell it first, sell it first, you know, and, and then you, you can build it, you can figure out how, or how you're going to execute it. And you can then on top of it, learn all of the other skills, which is, you know, for me, marketing was just my basic main interest. But uh, before that, I had to understand sales. And even if you don't end up like you're talking about, you don't end up as marketers if you that's not going to be part of your role that you will be selling. But the understanding needs to be there, how, how it works and what it entails um, um, for a marketer to become uh, get better at their own job. So I, I, I love that one. Yeah. Why you do content, right? You do content for a brand or demand generation. That's the one reason. Or you do content to be used by sales in the sales cycle to to advance the sales to the next stage, to the next stage, to the next stage. So yeah. if you don't understand sales, how can you make content that that sales rep will value and yeah. use? Absolutely. They, they, just, they just won't. So you yeah. need to understand what they need. And often the best way to do that is to dabble in it yourself a little bit. So it's not as scary as it looks. And the beauty of being a sale, a marketer playing at sales is that you've got that marketing job to go back to. So, yeah. you know, you're yeah. just like, yeah, you're just figuring it out. It's all it is. Yeah, it's, it's a safe space. I just want to give a quick shout out to Kanji. Uh, she works with me. She's a superstar. And I know it's it's like probably past, it's past midnight where she is, but she's still up. <laughs> Uh, watching this live. So thank you, Kanji. She's a superstar. Alrighty, folks. It is now that time of the interview for us. And you may be thinking, what is it? Gossip time or share the fun pickup lines time or tell an embarrassing joke time? Unfortunately, we are not that type of a show. Well, not yet anyway. But what it is time for is... It's the 48 hours challenge time. 
Now, Daryl, this is where I ask you to share what is that one thing that our viewers and listeners can implement when it comes to creating content that's contagious in the next 48 hours that doesn't cost them an arm and a leg or requires a large team to execute it? Okay. Take a current piece of content you already have. Pick it. Blog post, ebook, whatever. And this is what I want you to do the next 48 hours. I want you to do a 60 second max video, 60 seconds. And I want you to have an opinion on the topic that content covers. And I want you to be provocative and I want you to solicit people's opinions. That's the first thing. Make sure that video is, you know, you can trim it up using any free editor, get it captioned. You can get it captioned, lots of free services, artificial yeah. intelligence that'll do it for you. Uh, worse, cost you like a buck, literally, because 60 seconds is hardly anything at all. Yeah. And then I want you to go and I want you to craft a LinkedIn or a Twitter post. And I want you to optimize that post. I believe the opening paragraph can be, don't quote me on this, it's been a while now, 310 characters or 250, whatever it is, figure that all out. Where yeah. before it says read more, so that first paragraph has to be a teaser, yeah. So they click on read more, yeah. And I want you to use all the right hashtags, and I want you to spark debate. This post positions this. I'm not sure I agree. When I talked to Amber, she said that. When I talked to so and so, they said this. My opinion is this. I believe this to be true, but you know what do you think? Embed your video, have a call to action, post it, like it, add another comment, maybe uh, a link to an article that you sourced or a piece of, or the actual, in fact, what I would have is I would have a link to the original content you're talking about to learn the whole thing. Say a backdrop that'll drive traffic. All right. Right. So, and then you want to make sure that that video, you've got either UTM codes in there or a bit.ly code so you can track the click through so you know exactly how much traffic you're driving from it. Because this is all about driving and measuring your content. And then I want you to reach out with a couple of handful of influencers and direct messages and say, you know, hey, Amber, I really love you to comment on this, if you don't mind, because I really value your point. But make it relevant. This is not about them doing you a favor. You... Yeah constantly talk about this and this and this i just did a post in that if you could share it or or give me your opinion because i think yeah. it's important i'd be grateful some will some won't it is the way it is yeah all right and yeah. then i want you to after 24 hours do another post on social and saying okay i just did an experiment i did a video i did a post and this is what i learned it worked it didn't work what i would do differently everything else so now the second post is a personal post first one is a con- is a content you know issue yeah. basis the second one is now personal all right and i want you to tag me and tag amber quote her show that this is where the idea came from so you're going to drive traffic to her as well all right cuz that's it's reciprocal it's relationship building yeah. And, and then after that experiment, we're all going to get together on a clubhouse and we're going to talk about how the experiment went and you're going to promote the fact that you're going to go on a clubhouse with Amber and (laughs) Daryl to talk about this experiment you just did. All right. So we're, it's just, we're building, it's like a seven layer cake, a layer upon a layer upon a layer upon a layer upon a layer to create hype and to really milk that content for all it's worth. 
I love that. I love that. It's like, and, and, and this is all coming from just one single piece of content. You said 60 second video. Um, and, and we can yes. put so many layers on top of it um, to get more engagement and get more people involved, which brings me to the point that where can people find you? I've got your LinkedIn here uh, at Daryl Prail. And that's it. Um, yeah, that's, that, you know, that's it. Don't forget to tag him, uh, uh, Daryl Prail, and your website, DarylPrail.com, if you want to follow his content. Um, and Vanilla Soft, where he's the CRO. At, you can find him over there That's as well. Right. Anything else you would like to mention, Daryl, where uh, to follow your content? You can follow me on Twitter. Uh, it's at opinionated, O H P I N I O N, the number eight T E D. You can follow me on Clubhouse the exact same way at opinionated. Um, all of that's in my LinkedIn connection info. So you can find it all there if you don't remember it. And that's it. Please follow me. I will follow back. I promise you. And, uh, and let's have some fun. Don't be a stranger. Don't just follow me and then never talk to me again. All right. If you agree with me, tell me, agree with me. If you disagree with me, tell me I'm an idiot. I will laugh and we will talk about it. All right. Do not be a stranger. Don't be that person. I want you to be a friend. I want you to be a colleague. Yeah. Yeah. I I love that. And, and, and because that's how you. One last place. Yes. Peak. Peak marketing, the peak community, www.peak.community. If you're an emerging CMO or a CMO, you should be in this community. And if you're not, reach out to Amber or me and we'll hook you up. And that's, you can always find Amber and me there. And that's a great place because it's just where marketers hang out. Definitely, definitely. Uh, We're all in there. Kira is in there. Daryl is there. Um, Love that community, especially as you're looking to build your. uh, marketing career um, or even uh, as an entrepreneur or business owner there's so much going on there to learn from others so much sharing is happening um, so great great place to be because everybody is so giving so yes definitely alright thank you everybody for joining us for this live today I heart you I really do because these lives wouldn't be fun without your support And thank you, Daryl, for joining me and sharing your genius and your fabulous self with us today. Awesome. Go to YouTube, follow Amber, subscribe, get the notifications. Don't be stupid. (laughs) All right. Yeah. Thank you, Daryl. You're a cheerleader. And I can't wait to do a clubhouse with you. It's going to be super, super awesome. (laughs) All righty. Toodaloo for now. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.